0: Welcome one and all to another episode of The Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind podcast. Nerd kind podcast. My name is TJ Sutherland. Dan Collercourt. With new episodes released on the 1st and 3rd Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com.
1: How's it going everybody, TJ Sutherland here on the Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind podcast. As I'm sure you know by now, our new shows go live on the first and third Monday of every month and you can find all of our previous shows on our website which is foreverinelectricdreams.com and you can also get us on our Twitter at Forever Electric. Uh, as usual, my cohorts for our topic today are Dan Conicott. Hello. Imran Mirza. <laughs> Howdy. And we've also got the pleasure of a special guest, a long-time friend of the show, um, Mr. Dennis Jose Francois. Welcome back, Dennis. How you doing?
2: I'm doing okay. It's a pleasure to be here. What what, what are we uh, what are we discussing today, mate? Well, today and uh, one of the reasons for my appearance on your illustrious lustrious podcast is but when dan told me you were going to speak on the very lame topic of 90s music i said <laughs> no
1: that is wow un-
2: that is unacceptable very everyone that is unacceptable unexpected- acceptable we
1: need to talk about the mandalorian by the way, don't love too hard him, Ren, because you're you're the only person he's not got yet. So <laughs> no, no. Well, out. he had.
0: It was my topic. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just about to interject by saying, and tune into our next episode, which will be all about nineties music and hosted by me. <laughs> yeah,
3: I don't think that's happening. This is... no, it, no, I don't
2: think so. It's gone off the rails all way too quickly, my liking. But yeah. So, anyway, continue. Well, let's get let's get this show back on track. We need to talk about the Mandalorian because it for once, everybody here has, see, has seen it very often you know, we'd have to wait a year and a half to include Imran in such a conversation. <laughs> there it is. But that's not even... That's <laughs> not, <there> it is. <laughs> that's not even uh, this. That's the truth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Imran, you know. Yeah,
0: it can, that's, can that's be. True. Yeah, it can be. You, I mean, you had kids.
2: Yeah, I mean, are you up to date with the Marvel films?
0: Oh, don't test me on Marvel. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah? Like, I'm, mm. a, I'm a diehard. I had a midnight showing of Endgame uh, on release day. Oh, Uh,
3: yeah! It was a double bill. You've got Disney Disney Plus as well, haven't
0: you? I've got Disney Plus as well, so yes, I'm. uh, I'm an MCU obsessive, obsessive, so uh, yeah.
2: Okay, good, good. So, so we've all seen it. We're past season two now. I think it's time to talk about that, and there's some partly because. Rather than just your typical Star Wars discussion, I think the Mandalorian has opened a few doors and potentially raised a few questions. I know I've got some. Um, and they they vary from ba- you know, questions about the story to just the way it's made and stuff. So um, I'm going to ask the first – my first question I want to put to you guys is this. Why are the side stories – The Star Wars side stories, as Amanda Mandalorian showed us, but also Rogue One and Art Rogue One and arguably Solo. Why are they so much more coherent and more enjoyable than the main films? In particular, the sequels. Start with TJ.
1: Ah, okay. So, interesting you put Solo in there. I'm not sure everybody would but you said arguably so yeah i said arguably yeah i say arguably
2: yeah, i say arguably because it was branded a flop but that's because of its box office performance yeah. and therefore it never really got a good critical overhaul in terms of was it actually a good film or not most people mm-hmm. didn't see it so that's why i say arguably
1: yeah true um so what why, why are the stories stories so better i mean i guess with all of those stories apart from maybe solo is that they aren't Crushed or chained to the Skywalker legacy, which perhaps is what kind of killed 7, 8 and 9. Outside of the fact that whether you think they were just outright bad films or not, I think there's, with the main films, there's a level of expectancy that's associated with being a big mainstream Star Wars movie. Um and I think there's a level of expectancy that perhaps they could almost never live up to. Um I think that's kind of seen borne out in, you know, how people how a lot of people feel about the prequels, um and definitely how people feel about seven, eight, and nine. Um whereas with Rogue One, kind of as much as they are linked to the mainstream stories. Um, it kind of, you know, had its own set of character, own cast of characters, you know, very kind of separate story from the, from the Skywalker saga, as it were. Um, Solo, yes, you know, obviously it's got big name character Han Solo in it, but it's the prequel film, so it kind of lives in its own bubble to a certain extent as well. And Mandalorian obviously is, um, sits outside of that by itself. And, I think especially with the the case of the Mandalorian having the hand of actually I'll go into that probably later on, but yeah, I think that for me that's probably why they feel as though maybe there's you know maybe there's more freedom there for the the writers or less expectation from people, so people kind of go into it with um you know um, lower levels of expectation or you know, not worrying too much about it being the next star Empire Strikes Back or whatever. Um yeah.
0: Maybe that maybe that's what it is. Um Imran? Yeah, I, I think largely uh I agree absolutely with, with everything TJ said. I think the the fact that the, the offshoot stuff is really something of a clean slate because I'm gonna assume that we've all had a lot of conversations with people where you talk about a new Star Wars movie and you have to explain the sequencing uh, of how the films are in order. So these are before the originals. No, no, these are the three after. Oh, so what were the other ones? And you're like, okay. you know. And I imagine there's an element of confusion about, it would be like deep diving into the MCU at this point, where it's just like, I don't know who anyone is. I have absolutely no idea what story they're telling at this point, because if you weren't at, it at the beginning, then I imagine it's going to be very, very difficult to just jump in unless you're starting from the, the beginning. And I I do wonder how much of Star Wars kind of perceptions are rooted in generational things. I mean, I don't know if uh, Star Wars in of itself is a brand that's very popular with teens or kids or people in, let's say, their early 20s. I I've always looked at it as it being something for our generation and perhaps a little bit older because it was something we grew up with as opposed to people now who potentially have to ask what ask those questions of what, you know, what's this one then? Where does this go? Uh, you know, and I, I kind of wonder if, if that impacts it in any way. And I, I think, you know, with Mandalorian, with Rogue One, with uh, Solo, as you say, uh, I think they're sort of fresh starts. They're telling a story from scratch at each point. And it's just easier for people to jump into.
2: Um, I'm going to, before we go into Dan's thoughts on it, I just want to contest two things you just said there. First of all, about the sequencing of the films. Actually, with The Mandalorian, until it was clear that I I feel for a lot of people in the first few episodes, it wasn't clear when the story was set. It was clear for oh, yeah. me, as a very deep Star Wars fan, it was very obvious to me when it was set, but a lot of people, including people who claim to be Star Wars fans, were confused about the story, about when it was set, especially because of the second secondary character, as we now know his name is Grogu, but Baby Yoda. People actually thought that was Baby Yoda. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've had to explain to several people that that is not Baby Yoda. It is set after Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, yeah, they are in the having
0: it blown up and things like that. So yeah.
2: yeah second, the, the, the second thing you said there about as to whether it appeals to a younger audience, it most certainly does. What you've got to remember is that there's more Star Wars you haven't seen than you have. There are seven seasons of the Clone Wars, is it five seasons of Rebels, there's the new mm-hmm. stuff. The, the newest um, animated series, I can't even think of the name. Resistance. Resistance. Yeah. There's all of the Star Wars Lego toys and Lego games and Star Wars Lego films and animations and stuff. Those are not intended at our age group. And if you've seen them, it's probably because you're a parent. So I've got nephews and nieces who are Star Wars nuts. And like uh, two of them who were a, when they were six or seven, they had figures, clone trooper figures, stuff like that. They'd never seen the original films at all because their parents mm. deemed them too young but they'd seen loads of Clone Wars stuff. So I'm not sure that's quite the case. I think there's, it appeals to the current youth as much as it does to us but probably in a very different, a different way. way. Yeah. Um, Dan?
3: So the way I look at it is for our generation specifically Return of the Jedi brought a very kind of rich and thorough story arc to an ending, to a very satisfactory ending where good overcame evil, the heroes kind of won, and optimism and the future was kind of set. And then you kind of had <clears throat> excuse me, the prequels, which... Gave you the origin story of Darth Vader, and for I know you know there's mixed reception to that, but it was quite a coherent story that actually told you the downfall of Anakin and the fall of the Jedi and Rise of the Sith, etc. etc. It was even if you don't like the films, it's quite a coherent story. The I think for us, we were never done with that overall story arc, there were so many things going on in the background and things being referred to. And obviously some of the stuff which is, uh, you know, the extended universe, some of which is no longer canon, some of which is canon. And obviously, Dennis, you've mentioned Rebels, you know, um, and and all the other kind of um, TV. Yeah, exactly. So it feels like at the moment... Rogue One, Solo, and The Mandalorian have just added layers and flavour to an already existing and very enjoyable cake. It's just made that cake even better. Uh, Whereas I think the sequels largely, they tried to take something that had a satisfactory ending and completely not, not tear it up, but they had to almost reinvent the enemy and and create this really awkward narrative in order to 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 re-energize the story to make another resistance and another struggle and another all conquering evil first order and i don't i think for a lot of people our age it didn't really work We, we wanted we weren't done with the original story arc um You know, we wanted more of that. We we didn't want, you know, we we did. We we wanted to see where the characters were. I know that, you know, I'm sure all of us were curious to to see what happened to um, Han Solo, Leia, Luke. uh, You know, what happened next. But I think um, the problem is what we got. What wasn't very satisfying, and we were all so hungry for nostalgia and to to see some of the characters that we we'd only given brief glimpses of in the, the the previous trilogies you know to see them get new roles to to see this different parts of the universe even the same parts of the universe again it get you know it gave us an opportunity to almost see part of the same story but from a different angle characters that we loved we're given more screen time than ever before. Um, yeah, I think I, I, would, I would be inclined to agree
2: with a lot of what you just said there, Dan, actually. Um, yeah, I think we were probably all looking for a more satisfactory outcome in the sequels. What I think is interesting, which nearly what you kind of all touched on there is what, what I personally find quite fascinating about the sequels, and we want to talk about The Mandalorian, not about the main star saga, but what what I find most interesting about the sequels is up until that point, there was a sort of universal dislike of the prequels. And I think there was this idea that now everything was going to get better again. And I think one of the problems is that not only did it not get better, it, got better, it didn't get better, it got worse, arguably, in some cases. And it's kind of made people realize that there are elements of the prequels which were actually quite good, and shouldn't be scorned. And I think it surprised everybody. I think the first of those sequels, The Force Awakens, everyone was like, okay, great, we're back on track. And then it went off the rails again. And I think there was just this sort of collective shock from the, you know, you, nothing, I think
1: nothing unifies people that, as much as, as hating something.
2: And it's, so, yeah, I mean,
1: you're right. Everyone that was hating on the prequels, was like, actually, they're not so bad.
2: <laughs> <you."> <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. I mean, as Dan said, I think, um, you know, at least they're coherent mm. in terms of story. I mean, the story might be a bit boring, especially The Phantom Menace. It might be boring and his trade negotiations and stuff like that, but it does actually make sense. There's some pretty awful things to watch in it and poor acting and blah, blah, blah but all films suffer from that. The problem with the with, with the sequels is that they pretty much just don't make any sense they're all over the place and they don't bring our characters together in a way that we sort of wanted which we do get from rogue one and you do get from even from solo you see the characters doing the things that you've heard them talk about the kessel run and you know all, all, of, all of that stuff so yeah. the mandalorian definitely addresses those things it definitely ticks those boxes we find out what happened to boba fett um, we find out what happened to things like the Darksaber and the Clone Troopers, and I um, and I think they are oh, sorry, the Dark Troopers, not the Clone Troopers, and I think the other part thing about that is that these are all elements that came from the extended universe, which yeah. at one point Disney had suggested wasn't canon anymore, which I think also kind of ruffled a, a few feathers, people who had invested quite a lot in the world of Star Wars to be told that, you know, the stories don't count, but you know, the mention of things like Grand Admiral Thrawn bringing in characters like Ashoka from the Clone Wars, um, you know, the Darksaber, using Katie Sakoff as the character that she did the voice for the voice in some of the animated films. These are all the kind of things that the, uh, that the, that the fans really want to have. And they, they did it well. So for me, I think that's one of the reasons why they're so much more enjoyable. Do you know who we have to thank for that? Uh,
1: Imran. Imran. No? <laughs> yes, in positioned uh George. No, it's uh, Dave Filoni. Oh, Dave yes. Filoni, yeah, Dave Filoni is the guy obviously behind Clo- uh, Clone Wars and all the rest of it. And he was a huge fan of the extended universe mm. and um, was super keen to bring a lot of these elements And 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 th- I was reading somewhere that he got away with it because, well, one, he was really bullish about it and uh, just kept on... Asking for to bring these characters in, uh, even though uh, they weren't particularly keen on it. But also, um, he obviously he's a huge fan himself, and you know he he, you know he he saw that there was a rich tapestry of lore there, and it was a good way to get a lot of people who had read all those books, you know, um, coming off the back of um, uh, those books being released. He, He saw that as a good way to get those people back into you know, watching the cartoons or watching, like get paying more attention to Star Wars, um, which, you know, I think is worth especially for me as well. Like, I, I read a lot of that stuff and um, oh. it's kind of good to, I feel rewarded to see like names like that kind of pop up and
2: uh, characters that are being introduced. I mean, I think we can also thank some of that to Rogue One and uh, Solo because they also bring stuff in you know, it's a much more subtle, it's not so much in your face, mm. but the appearance of Darth Maul, for instance, in Rogue, uh, yes. in Solo, that's um, the ending of a story that starts in the Clone Wars cartoon, yes. isn't it? Um, and there are other elements as well in Rogue One, there are characters and ships and small little nods and mentions that only come from the uh, additional extended universe stuff. And I think mm. maybe, you know, maybe somebody somewhere at Disney or Lucasfilm were observant in- enough to see that, oh yeah, this works, This is uh, these are the boxes the fans would like to have ticked. I also think that Dave Filoni and almost certainly Jon Favreau and all the other um, creators are probably the same age as we are. Yeah. More or less. That's a, probably the generation <coughs> span. Um, and I feel like one of my friends um, said to me, uh, he pointed out that in the episode of The Mandalorian where you see them sit, it's the first episode, I think, the season two, where they're sitting around the fireplace with the sand people. You, you see, as that scene opens, you see the sand people using the flip end of the, the stick that they have, which has mm-hmm. these two prongs on it, which if when you were a kid, if you ever had that stand person figure, you'd have mm-hmm. had that stick. And, and there was never any, it's like, why were, why were there two prongs on the end,
3: right? So Gap that, stick.
2: Y- yeah, and stick. Yeah. Uh, he, and in that opening sequence of that, that scene, he's got like a sort of a cloth ball in it. He's cleaning the teeth of his bantha. And <laughs> so, I yeah. and I reckon that somebody that whoever thought of putting that in that must have bugged them since they were a kid. They were like, <laughs> "What what what are these two prongs on a gaffy stick for?" And it's like, "Oh, it's for cleaning the teeth." And they bantam. Maybe that's what they played out as a kid. There's loads of little stuff, little things like that in there. Um, Felloni's 46 and John Travolta's 54, so right. yeah, Yeah, it, it comes exactly our age. Yeah. So I mean, uh, other things like you know when they go into the cantina in Mos Eisley. There's a droid working behind a bar, and as we all know, they don't accept those their kind in this place. Hmm. You know, so and that sort of shows you that the universe has moved on. That's very deliberate. There's no way that's that's accidental. It's accident, yeah. But it's that kind of sort of progress that, you know, the, those little um when they go to the I can't remember the character's name, the the woman who's the mechanic. And she's uh, got yes. she's got those funny little droids at first appearing is it in the phantom menace
1: a phantom menace yeah the ones yeah. working on um, thingy's uh his racer his
2: yeah that's right racer. and and yeah. and you know that it's almost like they're saying well okay uh these things from the prequel are fine it's almost like he said you know don't worry the prequels are fine as well which i think there was a danger that they were that people wanted to sort of like rule a lot of stuff out for them they even obscurely refer to medichlorians. yeah yes because yeah, they, they they refer to an M count, M, M count, yeah. Hmm.
3: And wasn't there a podcast? Sorry, a pod racer engine as well. I'm sure
2: yes. A- yes, yes. Well, there's one. Well, there is one in um, in the Force Awakens, actually.
1: No, well, in Mandalorian, you're talking about Dan. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit. There's a bit where they use a piece of the uh, pod racer that Anakin had. Um, I, can't, I can't remember exactly what the
2: scene was. Um, but yeah, I do remember seeing that. I think it was in season two. But I mean, it's great that they didn't make up, have to make up new stuff like the crate dragon. Um, the crate dragon mm. is the sound that Obi Wan Kenobi makes when he frightens off the sand people in In A New Hope, mm. and that's the only mention of it in all of the films. It appears in some of the books and some of the side stuff, but you finally get to see well, what is a crate dragon, and you know, and why does it scare the sand people? And just that one little scene from A New Hope, they've turned that into an entire episode of The Mandalorian. Well, and they I mean, also yeah. bring
3: back um, the same droid design f- that was IG eighty eight, yes, and they right, bring yeah. back as IG yeah. eleven. Yeah, I mean, just fantastic. And I didn't really- even. Was- it's a, it's, it's, a show,
1: it's, a show, it's a show made by fans, essentially. That's not always it, yeah. a good thing. No, it, no you're right. It, it isn't. But in this case, it, it's worked it, It's worked considerably well. I so,
3: do you know who voiced IG11? Uh, is, is, is it Taita? Uh, Taita,
2: I think. Tita, Tita,
1: Tita.
3: You, Tita. You, I yeah. Mean, yeah, I can yeah. It, yeah. Which, which, And he also, I think he directed an episode as well. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was awesome.
1: Um, he did in season one. I don't know if he did in
2: season two. Yeah, I think he does in season two, actually. Oh,
1: okay, cool.
2: Yeah. So, like, did I remember,
1: um, oh, sorry, go. The, say, as an part
2: extension part. of my original question then, and I don't want to point fingers at anyone specifically, but do you think J.J. Abrahams is to blame? <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's the <laughs> thing. All right? of the films and why <laughs> is J.J. Abrahams to blame? Because he, like, so let's now flip to the other universe, Star Trek, right? He came in and took over the Star Trek franchise, <clears throat> pissed off loads of people doing it when he did it, but actually the first film out the gate was actually not that bad. I think most people would agree that they did a great job in re reinventing or rebooting, however you want to call it, the universe. He picked actors which really did those original characters really well. He incorporated certain things from the original series. We, do you know what I mean? And it felt very Star Trek-y. And then... Thinking he was going to then make another two films, he more or less let go and became a producer on it. Okay. And 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 the, the two films that follow get progressively sort of off course. till by the time you're in the third one, you're like, uh, I hope this isn't really part of the Star Trek universe anymore. <laughs> Is it? We don't even know. Considering there's been new Star Trek since then, we don't even know. And it feels like that's what happened with the uh, sequels where he, you know he came in he's like i'm going to do star wars he does the force awakens it's got a lot of similarities to the original he brings in the original characters and everyone's very very happy and then suddenly it goes off the rails
3: but i don't think that was by design or by his choice because it it sounded as though the plan was always to allow three different directors to do each film and it was only you know, he, he came he took control of the third film fairly late. That wasn't I don't think that was in any way planned, was it? Because uh, I forgot the name of the other guy who had to Ryan, leave it. Ryan Oh what the third film. Third film, yeah. Yeah,
2: but when when he took over the when they announced originally that there were gonna be three sequels, the everybody, the world believed that he was gonna do all three.
3: Yeah, they believed that, but I don't think that was ever the plan. Right, so okay. The only reason I'm saying that is because it's hard to judge. It, it, well, it would have been interesting, put it this way, if he had been allowed to direct all three films. And from that point of view, because if you, if you also look at Mandalorian, George Lucas has writing credits for at least 19 episodes, I think, of Mandalorian. Whereas he was fairly pushed to the sides, he was completely or, pushed to the side for for the sequels. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to know, to know if that was down to, um, Abrahams, or if he had a bit more free rein to direct, you know, and kind of, you know, provide the, the direction of all three of that trilogy. If he would have brought George Lucas in a bit closer,
2: I think the sad thing we all know when you really think about it, is that if had George Lucas directed the sequels, and even if they'd been completely different films, everybody would have hated them. And that was part of the problem. No matter, yeah. what, what, no matter what the films, whether they were good or bad, right? Yeah. So I, I, think the, I think the Star Wars world is now confused that they don't like these films and they don't know why. But, but, but Lucas didn't make them. They must be good. Um, so now, Imran, I know you're still upset about what I said about 90s music, but let's try and move on from that. <laughs> is, um, my second question here, and I want to put this to you because you've got Disney+, Plus, right? And um, okay. you've got young ones. You're the only one out of the four of us who has young links. Um, is this the future, not just of Star Wars, but of large franchises in general, to see them handled this way? As a streaming serialized product, uh,
0: well, judging from the slate of shows that has subsequently been announced following, I guess, uh, season two of the Mandalorian, it would appear so. I mean, they're kind of Disney Plus, you know, using them as the the template. I mean, there's, I think, five, maybe six MCU shows that are already on the way as an extension to to the the, the film. Uh, universe, and now Star Wars seem to be doubling down on the notion of uh t v shows. I think perhaps a little bit worryingly, so the amount that they 've sort of subsequently uh unveiled is is surprising that they're they 're going with as many as they as they uh, potentially are but um it would appear so i suppose if you have a situation where you have that hub that you you know that is your home base um then I, I certainly, yeah, I certainly hmm. wasn't so necessarily surprised by the fact that that's where they're deciding to go with it. And also, you know, you've got that Star Wars section on Disney Plus, you know, and the theory is that each of these sections actually get updated. And the thing with Star Wars is, unless you have a, an onslaught of shows in this this fashion, then it's not going to be updated, and people will just end up watching everything that's there and then cancel the subscription. Assuming that
2: the only reason they're subscribing is for the... Oh, style. sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to get behind the statistics on Disney+, Plus and see who clicks on which sections. I mean, does anybody even look in the National Geographic section? I'm sure they do occasionally at 3 o'clock in the morning when they've got nothing else to do. Um, or is it all heavily focused on Disney and uh, Marvel and Pixar, for instance? So, I mean, the question is, though, will serialization of everything work? Because I'm not sure it has always done so in the past. I mean, look at what happened. It's slightly different, but look at what happened with Game of Thrones, which was, you know, really flying a flag for very good serialized TV drama based on a previous media and a well-known franchise, because you could argue that Game of Thrones did the song of "Ice and Fire was a franchise. It was the main books and a few spin-offs, and that came to a crashing, uncomfortable end for most fans and most people, because they just pushed it too far, um, or it, or it's either that or it went off course from the original books. And I think that's, I think a lot of people may have been burned by that, same with Battlestar Galactica. Um, but they're still pressing forward with uh, like subsequent spin-off. I know one.
0: there was a a Naomi Watts Thrones-helmed uh, show, which I believe has been cancelled, but there are still Thrones shows in the works, aren't there? There were. Whether
3: they still are is a, is a good question. It's gone very quiet. It's gone very quiet on that. Mm. But they're, they're, they are doing another Battlestar Galactica, mm. uh, produced by... The guy who did Mr. Robot, who I forgot the name of.
2: So, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i guessing people will want to uh, reproduce the magical formula that seems to be the Mandalorian. The question is, what is it? See, one of the things I, I feel is quite interesting about the Mandalorian is that the pace of each episode is quite slow. Uh, it, they, well, and then, well, you'll have like three or four slow episodes. I say slow, that doesn't mean they're uninteresting, but I feel like the pace as the characters move along through the episode is quite slow. And then, But the action scenes are quite intense. Some of the episodes are quite short. I think we spoke about this years ago on a Liberation Frequency podcast, where you know we discussed whether or not TV shows had to be, even be the same length, uh, which they clearly don't. You know, you've got episodes of the Mandalorian which are thirty-five minutes long, and you've got episodes which are fifty-five minutes long. Um, but it's
1: different for if you're on streaming services, right? Because you don't, you're not beholden right. to uh, holding a, t- uh, a network time uh, time slot. Exactly. To, so that so that again gives them uh, a bit more creative freedom to go. Hey, we can do this one at forty-five minutes. We can do this
2: one at twenty minutes. If this you know, is why, depending asked, what the story is, is this the future of? Of uh, of these kind of franchises, because obviously I, it works a lot better. Are
1: we? So, I mean, you say the future, but serialisation of t- like TV shows and that in in different in like comic universe or whatever. You know, you've had the DC shows, you've had various Marvel shows. This stuff's been going on for a while now, to various varying degrees of success.
2: It has, but so, one, of the key, one of the key differences is that normally, when a when you have a film series and it transfers over to television, there's a complete hmm. separation between the creative cast. Directors, yeah. actors, and everything else. And once it goes into TV land, it's a one-way journey. What happens in TV land doesn't uh, retrospectively affect what happens in the movie. With a with a, with a handful of exceptions, like you know, Serenity, for instance, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, there's no normally there's no crossover. Even when the first time Marvel tried to do it with Shield, they sort of pulled, they backtracked on that quite heavily. Yeah, um, I mean, it, I guess,
1: I guess, I guess, it comes down to. You know the fact. That maybe you're right. Maybe this is the future because it comes down to now that the studios have their own platform to release whatever they want in whatever cadence they want. Um, you know, it it gives them a lot more freedom outside of because because I think the Marvel TV shows were kind of made and run by varying different uh, networks, right? They would like you had. Uh, Coke and Dagger that was being done on Hulu, uh, free, yeah, Hulu, Hulu. and then you had uh, Runaways being done on oh, that was Hulu as well. Yeah, um, no, Cloak and
2: Dagger I, was on Freestyle or something like that. Yeah, and then the it was on
0: Hulu, and then um, Agent Carter was. Oh, was
2: ABC, was
1: it?
0: Or? ABC. Oh, yeah, but wait, 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 wait! All of channel. those
2: are all of those are disney channels.
3: True.
0: Yes, true. I,
3: they,
2: yeah. yeah, they're all Disney owned channels. The ones the ones that don't fall into it, that are the Netflix ones.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean I guess you know, again, I, I don't know what the inner workings are in terms of how that creative process goes ahead, but I know that you know Marvel have done gone out of their way to, you know, cancel a bunch of shows and pull everything under one huge Kevin Foggy umbrella and he's kind of overseeing everything now as opposed to I think it was Avi Arad was doing this EV stuff before I think
2: which which shows have they cancelled?
1: So they cancelled uh, Runaways was gonna get another season, they cancelled that. Or they just didn't not like they cancelled it, but they finished it. All uh, the Netflix right. series. Uh, all the Netflix series got cancelled.
2: So uh, the Copenhagen got cancelled. So the Netflix series wasn't cancelled by Disney, it was cancelled by Netflix. Disney did not cancel the Netflix series. And this is something that most of the world doesn't seem know. to realize. Netflix had a license. They could have kept making them. And Netflix have said, if you go and look, you can go and look it up. It mm. was very clear from the viewer ratings that the, viewer, the viewers had fallen off on those shows. So they stopped making them.
1: I guess that makes sense. But what the, I think the point I was making was that the way that they had the, the structure before, they had one set of people making the serial stuff. And the movie stuff was done by another person, whereas now they're all they're looking to bring it all under one one direction, I guess. Uh, right. Especially with the stuff now coming out on Disney Plus, right?
2: Yes, I mean I, I do feel like the TV shows were still. I mean, so if you look at the even the early Netflix stuff, if you look at Daredevil or or Jessica Jones, you know, if you freeze frame it when he's on the roof of a building, you can see Avengers Tower in the background. In in Cloak and Dagger, they refer to characters that appeared in Luke Cage.
1: Yeah, yeah, they had like, they had license to do stuff like that. But yeah. I don't, I don't, I think that the way they're going to be doing it now is, you know, they've got like the, the the it's borne out by the fact that you've actually got big name movie stars or people that were in the main movie franchise, you know, getting their own TV series or that are going to be appearing across the TV series mm-hmm. with each other now. Um I, I, that's, think, I think that's the, that's the biggest difference for me.
3: I think the big question is now, because the format of The Mandalorian worked really well. Uh, I think our average episode is 20, 20 to 30 minutes. It's very linear in terms of it's one very succinct plot line following two characters, and all the other characters kind of come in and out, play their part, they're along for the ride, and then they're off again. It It doesn't try and develop too many plot lines there's not there's not a lot there's not a lot of crossover there's mm-hmm. not a lot of exposition. not not to the level if you compared it to say i don't know uh daredevil or cloak or dagger or, or agents of shield mm-hmm. they, 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 they've managed to concentrate it probably also from a budget point of view because um it you know it, it feels like you're watching something of film quality yeah, because they've, they've kept the number of episodes down, they've kept the length of the episodes down and they've cr- and they've kept the number of characters it's
1: concentrated goodness
3: yeah in play because if you think you know I, I lose track of every time I watch a new uh, TV episode, whatever franchise it's from you you start going forward so th- you go for the current plot. And then yeah. you've immediately got to focus on the the story behind every character and how they got to where the current plot is. Whereas, you know, Mandalorian doesn't really do that. Um, and yeah. I think... i argue against that slightly
1: in that... But I think they've done it in a better way, perhaps, than, uh, to, to allude to what you're talking about in terms of, you know, the stuff with uh, Ahsoka Tan... And uh, Dennis, Katie, Katie, um, Sackhoff's character. The uh, yeah, but those,
3: those things last. Right. You know, they they last all of. You know, if you put them back to back, they'd probably be fifteen minutes long.
1: Whereas, yeah, no, but what I sorry, what I was going to say was that they've done it a bet, in a better way. Is that they introduce these characters and they hint at something else that's going to come, and they're actually, you know, it's it, they've hinted at another another subplot that's you know that in the back of your mind, you know, it's going to happen in some way, some way, somewhere. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, yeah, it's not gone into in, in such a way that you, that it detracts from the main, uh, plot
3: of the foot of the, of the TV show. Definitely. And right. I think that the issue they're going to have potentially is with there being, I don't know what, there's at least 15 different new, um, series. Is, is that right? 15 to 20. I can't uh... remember. I don't, that, I don't know if it's that much, but yeah, it's quite a few. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll say just over 10 or something like that. I think some of these will presumably be set in the same timeline. So Mandalorian Season 3, I'm sure it will happen, will be somewhere along the same timeline as as Book of Boba Fett. Now, I know um, Resistance and there's a few others that sound like they're going to come before... Or maybe quite, you know, a further jump in time. Um, but if as long as they don't do what um, the DC universe TV shows have done, which is constantly, you know, that character's got to be in that episode of that other series, and they've all got to come together and all fight in in a you know in a joint plot line. it just makes it so convoluted complicated and ridiculous because you have to watch um you know five or six different series consecutively at once in order to get the value of having all these different characters interact as long as they don't do that um which i very much doubt they will um it it feels like that they have a a format that works really well
2: well i guess that's the end of the episode so um... <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Dan. You put your finger on it, and we've uh, said everything we need to say. No. Uh... <laughs> so one of my questions was going to be uh, how much fan influence had it been on The Mandalorian, but I think we sort of touched on that already. Um, I think a better question is: Are the creators in this case fans? I think they they, they clearly are. Uh, John Favreau, Dave Filoni. Uh, I'm not sure, but Roberto Rodriguez directed an episode, didn't he?
1: He He did, did, yeah. Yeah. No, not the final one. One before the last one, I think.
3: Mm. And they've got um, Deborah Chow, Peyton Reed, Tejiko Waititi, who we mentioned already, Carl Weathers.
1: Rick, Dallas Howard.
3: Yep, Rick, Famer, Wire. You know, they've got an amazing list of talent just from direction and writing see i'm i'm not always of the opinion that fans will
2: make a better product um partly because i've seen uh, you know disclaimer i work in the film industry i've seen fans go down a road that is very far away from what the original creators intended because they've built their own little particular fan world uh, that's very particular to them um and i'm sort of hesitant when I hear about fans getting too deeply involved in story i 'm um, one of those that believes that story is craft is, is, is the work mostly of its original creator and is not necessarily something you can do by committee um, that 's a game normally you know when the audience can direct the storyline you 're in the land you 're in the land of games there um, and if you want a coherent story it 's normally told by one individual and I do feel that a lot of properties and franchises, and this is where the DCU, uh, the DC universe suffers, uh, perhaps responds a bit too strongly to fans um, and chops and changes and has no cohesion at all. Um, so, however, this is clearly a case where I think we can all agree that uh, the creators are obviously fans and they've obviously catered to the fans. So I guess I, I'm happy to be proven wrong. What do you guys think of that?
3: I was just going to say quickly. There are also bits in the Mandalorian which I can't imagine a fan such as any of us would knowingly put in there, like the the Frog Man and Frog Woman and her egg story. I think I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I guess it, it it's fine. There's not I'm nothing against it, but there there there's quite a few elements in Mandalorian that. I think put in there for we're not the target demographic, they're they're in it for kids, and I kind of like that because uh, they've managed to do it without jarring us you know, without putting us off the main product, which is pretty genius. You you, you raise an interesting point
2: there, Dan. Are we we not the main main, demographic for the Mandalorian? Is this the difference? Is it because this has actually been made for our age group and not for the kids? Because I don't feel like it is targeted at kids. It feels very adult to me. What, what do you guys think of that? Do you think this is the same target group as the rest of the franchise? Imran, do your kids I, watch it? Yeah.
0: No, I try to get my oldest daughter uh, in into it. And I obviously the hook being a, a certain baby Yoda uh, and as deep as her affection for uh, the character was, it didn't extend yet to to kind of wanting to to kind of sit through it even further. But um, it, it's it's a great question. But at the same point, I don't know if you can even go. Well, I suppose this ha- that has to be how you approach it from a you know from a marketing perspective. But I mean. I mean, do you think that is how they approached it? Do you not just think these were, say, fans telling what they thought was a great story no. as opposed to thinking, how do we... What, what, what's the demographic that we kind of market this towards?
2: Well, I, I, I honestly don't know how it was done in this case, but having recently completed work on two movies which are yet to be released, um, where one of which was the vision of the director completely... And the other was definitely a director for hire and at the mercy of focus groups. Um, I can see the difference now. I, I understand why films, which seemingly are going to be good, end up being rubbish, um, where you know plot changes and storyline changes and re-edits. Uh, and most of that is in response to audience and fan response, whereas with the first uh, thing I, I mentioned, that wasn't the case. It's one director... One one vision, and they do it to the bitter end, and it's very obvious from the from from the outcome. So I'm not so sure in this case. It feels like it feels like uh, it could be either. I, I genuinely don't know. That's why. What do you think, TJ? Um, I mean, just as as you're sitting there, uh, um, it's kind of
1: half listening to what you're saying. So apologies for that. But I was just kind of just kind of remembering trying to remember the theme and and my my thoughts and my emotions through watching the first two seasons and um I think you're right i think it, it feels like a lot of the themes that they cover in it are relatively matureish uh themes um and you know the little nods to people of our generation who had the toys and grew up grew up with the uh grew up with the films. Um, and the, I mean, they do have a lot of you know things in there that they can market. You know, they can sell the ships and and the the weapons and all that kind of stuff as toys. But it doesn't feel like a, a very young, hmm. uh, young targeted toy selling uh, aim of a show. It it feels more mature than that, and it and it it kind of feels like it's done as a you know, hey, you know, get Disney Plus for your kids and here's something for you to watch as well. Um, And for you people that don't have kids, but you're a Star Wars fan, here's something, here's a reason for you to get Disney Plus because, you know, it's a a huge draw for people of our age and, you know, maybe going down to people in their
0: sort of 30s, I guess. God, that makes me sound old. But But do you think Star Wars in of itself has the wiggle room to market a a a version of their product to different audiences in as much as in at its heart it is family entertainment there's no swearing in it there's no even alluding to to sex or the sexualization of of characters um no but they lay, don't. Lay a golden bikini at all uh aside obviously but like uh i mean i mean do you think he sort of has that room i'm, I'm currently watching clone wars the uh, the series i'm just about to start i'm a few episodes shy of season starting season four and i think there are, there are huge elements in that where i think my god like i don't that's that's a bit extreme for say, for kids, to, to maybe, not extreme, but I'm surprised that they would have put certain things in, certain death scenes and uh, but, certain Yeah, topics. I mean, I haven't, I haven't got as far as you into with
1: Clone Wars, but I have heard that about Clone Wars, that it does but, get quite heavy-ish, considering so what would appear to be the target audience. Sorry, go you, you,
2: so no, you're, you're right, Imran, but when you say there's like there's no um, overt sexuality or sexualization of, of the storyline, there's no bad language, etc., but they are a bunch of criminals who do, for most of the seasons, he's running with a bunch of criminals. They do a prison break. He kills people, hunts people for money. Mm. Um, He hangs around with a very seedy... Hang on, hang on, hang on. on. Are we talking about Clone Wars here? No, we're talking about Andalorian. He's he's, he's (laughs) he's initially after Baby Yoda to collect the money on him. Sure. And he has a change of heart, but he's conflicted the entire way through. So and those, I wouldn't put those as being family-friendly topics. Yeah, but well, Han Solo in of himself was a, a smuggler, wasn't
0: he? I mean, he, he he was a scallywag. But from uh, the beginning,
2: he does the right thing.
0: Oh, but does Mando ever not That's necessarily? True. Yeah, do the right mm-hmm. thing. I mean, his job as a as a bounty hunter is a, in of itself a uh, you know it's a it's a legal job, as as harsh and cold as as the the kind of the title may be. Uh, and he does have he does have, a, he does have an honourable code. Code, yeah, absolutely. He is you driven know, by that code.
3: But they they also rewrite what the Mandalorian is because if you think before this, kind of maybe ignoring Django Fett for a second, Boba Fett was a bad guy. He was he's for the for the amount of screen time and the amount of words he had, which was minimal in the original trilogy. He's still one of the most popular. Bad guys, and yet from the start yeah. of this, you know it—it's it, kind of played with those concepts. Because obviously, spoiler alert: whether or not the um, the you know the the series uh, book of Boba Fett—he's more villainous, or he does things that are more questionable. You kind of feel it's unlikely to go down that route because he's already helped Mando out in this series.
1: Well, but uh, was, was, Bob, was Bob a Mandalorian?
2: No, Boba
3: Fett's not yeah, a Mandalorian,
2: and, yeah, never, I was say. Been and never been yeah. referred to as one. In fact, yeah, the I word know. Mandalorian doesn't even appear in the original stories. Well, they referred
1: to that in, this, in the Mandalorian as well about the fact yeah. that he's not Mandalorian. Yeah, and
2: that's very clearly, yeah, that's very clearly explained in the Mandalorian and in the Clone Wars. As but well. regardless yeah. of that,
3: he is before this series, he he has he's the the, the the most iconic form of mandalorian in terms of someone who wears their their armor um do you know what i mean he he was the most famous even if he technically isn't mandalorian um
2: i'm not i'm not inclined to agree with you there dan i i agree that the, the vision, the visual aspect of that armor yes but the term Mandalorian and what they represent and who they are is very, very well represented in the Clone Wars, like the the, the TV series. And, he, he and there's no association with Boba Fett or Jango Fett in that. They creed what they stand speech.
3: for. He does a whole long speech with all this writing tattooed on him about his involvement on Mandalore and, and the tribes and all that stuff. So he's, even though he might not, I don't think he was born on Mandalore, he's who? still... Boba Fett? Yeah, he's still tied into their history massively. Well, no, he wouldn't have been a, that
2: exchange. But as a bounty hunter, but he he's a clone.
3: Yeah, I know, but I'm you know, I think this is something that Star Wars fans like to argue about all the time, but I'm not I'm not going there, but ultimately he's still part of that universe, part of that corner of the galaxy. He that's what he's you know, still most Known for even if he has his whole other backstory and being a bounty hunter and being a clone, he's still very much connected to Mandalore. Hmm.
2: I'm again, I'm I'm not inclined to agree. Just because growing, you know, growing up with the original films, what was more pertinent was him and his ship, Slave One, and its connection to the Clone Wars, which was yeah. written in the extended universe, and had that there was no real mention. Of the Mandalorians back then, but we are—we're not going to nitpick about Star Wars lore here. That's not what we came to do. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys how you felt about that moment when Boba Fett shows up and kicks ass. Because <laughs> like this, he did more in that two seconds
1: than he did in the whole. Yeah, I I think you
2: might remember me referring to Boba Fett as the lamest character in all of Star Wars at that time, (laughs) because all he does is fire his retro rockets and get eaten by a monster. And the funny thing is that
1: uh, maybe, maybe I'm imagining things, but Boba Fett was kind of a lot of people held him as like a a really cool character, even though when you actually see what he does in the movies, he doesn't really do an awful lot. I mean, he looks cool, but he doesn't do an awful lot. But he's he, he was kind of. You know, regarded as this kind of cool character and a, and a
0: big part of the story and all that kind of stuff. When really
1: uh, did he did he do that much? He's like Luca Brasi
0: from The Godfather. Like he has like one scene in the movie, but he's hailed as like the greatest henchman of all time. <laughs> it's like you have to read the book to to actually understand his the, that that character's history and. Kind of yeah. his own code and everything, no. but in the movie, he's in like one scene and dies, and it's kind of like oh, Luca Brasi. Like, yeah. so maybe
3: you know, maybe Bob was overrated. I mean, you know, <laughs> so does he, not, does, he is, does he not mastermind uh, Han Solo's capture? As in, the- no. No. <laughs> Well, I, I, I don't know. I think you, you're onto something
2: there, Dan, because he follows. Uh, the Millennium Falcon out of their hiding with the trash when they okay came yeah all right the, give him Levin, that. the cloud city and you know he says to Darth Vader we had a deal and uh, what does he say something like we had a deal and Vader says like don't make me change it again or something like that or <laughs> like he says that to Lando but yeah yeah he did. yeah after yeah, yeah. Lando isn't he? yeah and um, okay yeah so, yeah
1: so he managed he managed to put a tracker on someone's ship and follow them without getting caught so yeah. He- <laughs>
2: I feel <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's no, right the same way. He was a bit, he was a bit lame. Now, when he, when he shows up in Mandalorian, then he suddenly, the character that everybody was hoping, because, and this is one of the more violent scenes, even though there's no real blood, like when he takes down those stormtroopers, he smashes their so helmets. pieces have to to speak. Speak. Yeah. never seen that happen before. Like to a stormtrooper yeah. helmet, have you? You know, and it's quite violent. I mean, he take like what one of the bits that makes me laugh is that they're still trying to take him down. And then when he fires rockets from his knees, then they're like, That's it, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. The knee rockets are going too far and they will run away. Right.
3: He's also heavily scarred, but we don't know what actually how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. And I don't think they refer to it, do they?
2: Um, no, he does say something about he was in the desert for a long time in the something like that but now so in the extended universe in the stories uh he cuts himself out of the sarlacc with uh with it with um a vibro blade i think it's something like that um which he has or some cutting device he has on his armor um i would guess
1: as the next season is going to be all about him that will be covered
2: in some sort of exposition right I, well, I guess so. I mean, the book, we don't know if the book of Boba Fett is going to be what happened to him up until now, or what happens to him from here on in. I have a I feeling know, it will be what happens from here, from here on in, him, because yeah. otherwise they wouldn't really be able to utilise uh, um, you know, uh, Agent May.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think. But I, I would assume that at some point he's going to go over that story, chatting to someone drinking some blue milk or something.
2: Do you think they'll do the blue milk thing and, and, and pork? And... I don't know. I have no, idea. So uh, no I mean, know. if it's if still for probably you probably will What are the least likely things we are, we're going to see? Because I was surprised when they said, I was, oh, but please, but I was surprised when they said uh, they talked about M counts um, and we saw some elements from the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, etc. Because there's another thing from Attack of the Clones um, that comes into this and that is those uh, Sonic mines. When he's being chased, in oh, Atlanta, yeah. *The Force is that scene where they're going through his asteroid field and he yeah. drops sonic mines? Which in a movie theater, that sounds amazing. Sounds to it's so there. good. Oh, so yeah, good. And they did the same thing here, so it's like you know they're they sort of maintaining that continuity quite well. But I was thinking, well, well, what won't we see in *The Mandalorian*? Will we, you know, will we see a gun gun? Will we? <laughs> will <laughs> we see uh, an Ewok? <laughs> you know,
1: um, we won't see. A decent digital version of Luke's car. Oh, wait, no, we already did that. Um, Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I was going to get to that. Well, we'll move on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll get
3: to that later. (laughs) Yeah. Will we see any other Force Ghosts like Qui Gon? Um, They were speculating we were going to see Mace Windu as well. Yeah, I
2: heard that one.
3: Hmm.
2: I mean, there's loads of characters that could pop into it. I mean, could we see an Admiral Akbar? Because it's just, don't forget, we're close to the Return of the Jedi. They've already mentioned the Grand Admiral Thrawn. So I'm expecting he was going to show up in something sooner or later. Hmm. Um, I was kind of thinking they might pop up at the end of this season to kind
1: of see yeah. this next season, but they went in a different direction. So, okay, all right. Hmm. Saving that one for season three, I guess. Yeah, so it would be season three. Well,
2: season so- three is dash four. So then, of course, the other big moment is when Luke Skywalker shows up. And I think most people watching, well, I can only really speak for myself, but you see the, at, you know, when, when you see the TIE fighter approaching, you're like, okay, it's a TIE fighter. Is it, is it Luke Skywalker? And then you see like X-S1. one, gloved, one sorry, x wing uh, one gloved hand. You're like, okay, that has, to be, that has to be Luke Skywalker. But you're still not sure right until <laughs> that moment. Is it going to be old Mark Hamill or young Mark Hamill? How did we feel about that moment? I was surprised that they didn't go for
1: someone who looked like him as opposed to a digital job. And I don't know why. I was expecting another young actor who looked like him to appear. Do, you, do not
2: think it was well, done well enough? Because I've not really heard too much criticism or much
3: criticism of it. It was, okay. uh, I, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, there, there, was a couple of, um, there was a couple of frames towards the end of the sequence before he walks off. that look. His eyes looked a bit dodgy, but most of it was good. But there, I do remember thinking, in fact, and I've seen stills of it since, where it looked a little bit odd, but mostly I thought it was good. It, I mean, it, it, so,
1: it, it says to me that they aren't going to have too much more of Luke in it.
2: I think. Well, does that's, that mean that's not what them, too much that's what them of, of baby Yoda in it either?
1: He, he, well, um, I, I I would imagine he's going to come back after his training, and then I guess they're going to explain that in some way. But it when them doing that digital version of him said to me, "Okay, this is a one and done, or you might get him one more time, but you're not going to see much too too much more of him."
0: Which, to be honest, probably a good thing. Right. Okay.
2: Uh, Imran, how did you feel about that moment?
0: I loved it. I, I I kind of digested it or broke it down in the exact same way you described it. The lone X-wing was very kind of tantalising, as opposed to like a fleet or three of them. Uh, the lone X-wing certainly raised uh, suspicions. The gloved hand, absolutely. Um, and no, I th- I thought he looked fantastic. I thought it was a, a brilliant. Like I couldn't think of any more of a of a, a satisfying conclusion. Um, as soon as. Um, they discussed the idea of a Jedi might come for him, you know, yeah, and I, I, it was sort I, of, yeah. yeah, that was really, cause you, I don't know. I, I think you knew you that you would know who it was. Um, as soon as they kind of just referenced that somebody might come. And then, you know, when I think just as, as this Jedi is basically introduced right at the end, you, you know, it's building to something fairly epic. And I, I don't think you could have had anybody more, uh, well, again, to use the word satisfying uh, as a revelation, I, I think I audibly gasped. Uh, Do yeah, you know what? I think,
3: <laughs> I think they missed a trick, because if they'd have had Mace Windu, they w- wouldn't have needed to age him. He would have probably been the right age. Yeah. As he He's
2: is. That would have been sick, actually. Uh, No, actually, now that you've said that, Dan, I've just got to interject here (laughs) with something completely unrelated. I've recently decided to embark on the massive task of watching everything in Star Wars in sequence. And uh, so I watched The Phantom Menace the other day, and I noticed something for the very first time that I'd not ever seen before. And that was at the very end of the film, where they all arrive on Naboo to do their big celebration. There's a moment where they touch down and Palpatine walks off the transport and uh, he has that sort of inter- interaction with with them on the planet and he says oh young skywalker we shall be watching your career with great interest ha 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 behind him in that scene uh, the rest of the jedi are walking off that troop carrier and it is the worst stand-in double for an actor I have ever seen, you have got to look at that scene and look at who they put in there for Mace Window. It doesn't remotely look like him. It's so different. I thought, hang well,
1: right
2: on, are, are <laughs> just search for fake Window or fake Mace Window, right? In Phantom Menace. And I was like, hang on, are there two Black Jedi here? But no, he's actually wearing the same. Like, obviously, Sam, Samuel L. was not available for shooting that day. And they just got some other dude because, hey, we all look the same. Um, oh and- no, oh, <laughs> have, you, have you, oh, you seen it? Yeah, <laughs> TJ, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. to be that's- fair, you've done a better job. Wow, so- that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don- I've never, no- I never noticed that before. I never <laughs> noticed that. <before. laughs> so, um, on, I'm actually. I'm actually just looking at uh, I'm looking at a frame from from that final episode of the Mandalorian now, looking at Luke Skywalker, and it's it's not bad. I mean, there are several methods which could have been used. I haven't actually bothered to find out how they did this, um, but there are several methods I can immediately think of as, of, of of how it would be done. Um, having again just finished on a film where we did. Uh, what is known in the industry as digi double Replacement. is a pretty standard form, but there's several ways you can achieve it. Um, do you know what? I don't really care. I'm not going to find out. I think I know how they did it, but I don't care. I think it's good enough. It's television. I think it's good enough. It served its purpose. You know? Do we think... I, 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 I'm, I guess I'm in the minority here,
1: but what would your thoughts have been if they'd have got someone else in to do it?
2: I think it would have had less of an impact. Absolutely. I think the fact that they've taken and worked with material from Return of the Jedi, uh, which is what it, what it seems to me, in what form exactly, whether they've reprojected or I'm not going to speculate on how they technically did it, but there's clearly material from Return of the Jedi at play here. Um, that I think that was, that was the right thing to do in this. Hmm. Cool. So. Um, I don't think... Uh, they could have got someone else to do it, but that didn't quite work. I mean, I thought it worked quite well in Rogue One, because that's basically what they did with Princess Leia in Rogue One. They got a very similar actress and then did some digital enhancement, I believe, rather than the Grand Moff Tarkin, which is a complete CG replacement, because obviously he's dead. Um, but with uh, Carrie Fisher's younger self, they got an actress who looked very, very similar and then uh, sort of added bits and stuff, as I understand it. Deep fake. Well, well, deep faking would be a different method as well. So that, that would—I uh, did wonder whether this was a deep fake technology, but I'm not sure it is. It could. could be, I ask like, a
3: question to everyone then? Oh
2: no! All right. <laughs> oh, okay. I then go. Say, on.
3: Without going into too much detail, which character, minor or major, would you would you like to see brought back? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, uh, are you setting me up for what you know my answer <laughs> Go uh, is going to be? on, everybody! Uh, we're out of
1: time. Uh, I'm really glad that you uh, came tune into our podcast today. Uh, thank you, and good night. See you later. Bye. <laughs> TJ, who would you like to
2: see come back? <sighs> George Binks. Oh really? I didn't. yeah. Fuck you! <laughs> I knew you were going to choose him. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Getting there um... first.
1: <laughs> um, no, seriously. Anyone like to see being brought back? Um, Mace Windu would be interesting. I mean, just how the hell did you survive that drop? Um, and I kind of feel like we didn't really get to see too much of his character um, in those prequel movies. So, I mean, old man, old man Windu would be interesting.
2: I don't know if you could justify his return easily, though, because if he was no. still alive through Return of the Jedi, where was he? Where
1: was he? Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. So what so um,
3: happened to Palpatine? He became a Jedi clone or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He's laid up in hospital. <laughs> but legs it's broken. He couldn't make it.
2: <laughs> Imran, who would you like to see?
0: Um, I don't know. I feel like in a small part, I mean, it's sort of a roundabout answer, but um, I was kind of really happy that Ahsoka... Uh, had made it into the show. I mean, again, having being in the midst of watching uh, Clone Wars and not necessarily knowing what's going to happen. Because I I didn't know if she'd die at the end of Clone Wars because obviously it doesn't extend beyond that. So the fact that she kind of was brought back and the very fact that that episode was written and directed by Dave Filoni was was a real buzz. And I imagined a, an incredible buzz for him to be able to kind of introduce her in this completely new context. So that's probably who I w- would have said, because I'm, I'm really head over heels for Clone Wars at the moment. So that would have been the only one that I would have had sort of lingering as to what happens to her. But yeah, that would have been my
2: answer. Uh, Dan?
3: Um- I mean, in terms of, I guess, side characters, I would like to see uh, someone like Hammerhead or Yak Face, like them them ending up on a planet full of Yak Faces or Hammerheads. Mm. Um, but in terms of other kind of interesting characters, and I'm not, I haven't seen every um, Clone Wars or, or Rebels uh, series out there, so there could already be something that's happened to him. But uh, Ezra, I think, if he's not dead...
1: If Thrawn's back, then he will be back. Yeah,
3: that's I'm what sure. I thought. That would be a nice kind of link-up. Um, I don't know about... Is it Kanan, the other one? Is, is yeah. he dead? Oh, he died. Didn't he die? Okay. I think he died. maybe Ezra yeah. then?
2: I, I've got a few candidates, none of which are the ones you think, uh, TJ. I would love to see Admiral Akbar make an appearance. I always loved mm-hmm. Admiral Akbar as a kid, partly because if you have the toy about Admiral Akbar and you, you can turn his head around 180 degrees, and he looks like a completely different <laughs> alien. Um, I would love to see Chewbacca show up. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can have Chewbacca show up without compromising the character by having to do anything funny with it. You know, you, that would be quite hard to do with Han Solo or any of the others because you'd have to, like they did with Luke Skywalker, age them or whatever. They could theoretically. You could also theoretically, using uh, Mr. Glover, have um, Lana Calrissian show up. That's
3: true. Yeah. Uh,
2: which could be quite interesting. But uh, one of the characters, what I'd like to see is not so much Jar Jar Binks, but I wouldn't mind seeing acknowledgement of some of those other races, like the Gungans, even if it was only in a background role. Mm-hmm. Or, but particularly the character from the Phantom Menace who says, "Let's go down the ventilation shaft." I'd like to see another one of those. <laughs> he cracks me up. <laughs> you know the one. He's got so many quotable lines from the Phantom Menace. Um, uh, so, uh, um, so what? What's your what's your biggest disappointment in the series? Is there is there any disappointment in the series? Because I have one, and I, I think it's a good one to end with. Um, actually, um, I've got one disappointment for the series. Do you guys have any? Hmm.
1: Interesting. Thing you think.
2: I tell you what, I'll throw mine out there. My disappointment is and I didn't realise it was a disappointment till the very last second, is in the after final after show credits at the end of season two, of course, Bib Fortuna shows up and he's fat and he's overweight and he's sitting <laughs> on the throne, but he doesn't say to Which <laughs> is <laughs> which is what I'm like why did you say it that's your lie man oh, no oh actually okay
1: that's that's uh you've given me so I yeah I got one which uh I can't remember when it happened It might have been I think it was in season 2 and there's a scene where I think he goes back to Tatooine doesn't he in season 2 at some
2: point. Uh, uh, yeah. so, yes, he does, because he sees the woman with the three repair droids again.
1: Yes, yeah. So there's a bit where he's, they're, they're in the speeder, and they shoot off to go somewhere, and they go past a bunch of Jawas, and the Jawas didn't say Utini, <laughs> And I was okay. like, wait, what? And I, I, I know for a fact, I around it, I was like, what's going on? And I think uh, there's, it, happened, it happened the one time in season one, but it didn't happen that time, and I was pissed off. I was wow. genuinely angry about that. <laughs> um, or teeny. Like, what's, what's the point of having Jawas if you don't want to say Houtini?
3: Well the Sandmen don't do their, their normal war, do they? I mean maybe
2: maybe they deliberately wanted to maybe they wanted Jesus, maybe they wanted to deliberately move those characters along as well, which is a, which is great, you
0: know. They've evolved.
2: They have. Uh Imran, do you have any disappointments? Uh no,
0: not that I can think of. Jeez, a uh, very uh, specific one's game. Um,
2: I'm disappointed that Imran
0: watched all of it and we can't
1: rinse him about it. That's that's really disappointing. no. But let me ask
2: Imran a specific <laughs> question as well. Oh, what dear. do you think? Uh, this is an Imran. This is especially for you. The music.
0: I well, just I enjoyed the music. Uh, I thought it was uh, it was a bit it was quite. Um, I didn't know if they were going for that kind of Western gunslinger. Kind of thing, but uh, I thought the music was was uh, particularly the theme was very uh, indicative of that rousing. I said what? surely
3: it's not
2: nineties music, so you
0: don't like. It.
2: Oh, I said <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going there, but now that you mention it, I actually think the music was great, and I think you know, I mean, in general, Star Wars has a history of of very good scores, very good soundtracks, um, and I think this one was perfect for it, and it's very different from what you get in. The films, but it's yeah. very suited to uh, what well, well, my comment it earlier. Has that about it though. Yeah, my my comment earlier about the pace being slower in the TV show. Part of it is the feeling you get from the music, which is yeah, very it's generated from the very start of the uh, the show. that it? yeah, it's very steady and it's like an ongoing. It's more of a marathon than a sprint kind of thing, mm. you know. Uh, and it has that you know Sergio Leone, you know mm. Western, you know feel to it. Yeah. Um, it's great, it's absolutely great I've got it stuck, I'm, I wander around the house doing It's on no, my
1: right. right. playlist I know I just hum it
2: uh,
1: <laughs> Out loud I, yeah, 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 my own <laughs> version It's great
0: um, <laughs> um, I, I suppose one thing right. we haven't if I may interject, one thing we've not really discussed is uh, young Pedro Pascal uh, as the titular character
2: uh, True, true um, and now, isn't he someone who is getting in everywhere? I was surprised to see him in Wonder Woman. I said, this, yeah. I said this literally just yesterday. He's yeah. in everything. Um, I saw him in an advert for Boxer Shorts the other day. Have you seen that? <laughs> really bizarre. Um, yeah,
1: he was in Kingsman. He's in Narco. Uh, yeah? N- N- Narcos, yeah. Thrones, yeah. Narcos, Thrones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones. That was his kind of break. Uh, yeah. Goward, yeah.
2: I have Literally. trouble associating him with the character, though, because once that helmet is on, you, you know, how do we know it, even that yeah, it's him? This
3: is the first. Yeah,
1: thing. isn't it most? Isn't it most of the time? To be fair, it's mostly stuntman. <laughs> yeah, oh,
3: well, that was you the know, first thing uh, I didn't understand. Like, why cast probably one of the most popular current actors in a role where you never get to see his face until.
1: I guess ultimately they knew he was going to be taking his helmet off, so...
3: Yeah. I mean, it was a, a very poignant ending, and the fact that he, that did happen. But yeah, it did feel a bit yeah weird. He, he could have, for all we know, he could have just sat at home uh, watching TV, literally foaming in the lines.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's in um, the Happy Socks, Happy Holidays uh, advert from two years ago. It's very... If you search for Happy Socks, Pedro Pascal... It's really weird. It's it's just odd. <laughs> it's like we've all we've, we've all been there. <laughs> was it in- pretty <laughs> odd? It's like a dance number in a fifties diner. Was
3: it's it very weird strange. as his um, uh, turn on in Wonder Woman. God, that was terrible.
2: Yes, it is that weird. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we're not talking about Wonder Woman here. I only, I only meant
3: his. Uh, not not even necessarily his performance, but it was just just felt wrong. But anyway, yeah, let's talk about that.
2: Well, that's all I've got time for. I don't know about you guys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's been a good conversation. Um, We've gone twice as long as an episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, Three times. (laughs) Do you you think, right, so, so final words, do you think they're going to be able to maintain this level of quality? Because let's face it, Game of Thrones ran for four or five seasons before it tanked.
0: I think it all depends on how long they decide to run it for. Do you mean, sorry, do you mean specifically for Mandalorian or this level of quality for the subsequent shows that have been announced as well? No, I meant specifically for the Mandalorian. I think they will. I suppose they've lost its main focus now, so it will be interesting to see where it goes. You know, the focus was obviously the kid getting him home. So uh, that's done. So it'll be interesting to know where it goes from here, what his... Focus will subsequently become, but I have I have complete faith and confidence in, in the show going forward. And uh, yeah, I think I think I have confidence in them being able to tell a story,
1: tell the story that they want to tell, and then knocking it on the head, and then moving on to something else in the universe.
3: With Mandalorian and, and any other shows that are on the same or similar timelines, is how they're gonna join it up. With where we start from, in um, I forgot the name of the the first film in the prequels,
1: Force Awakens. Force Awakens.
2: Yeah. Well, do they need
1: well, to? Well, isn't Force Awakens like thirty odd years after Jedi?
2: I think so. Yeah, fifteen, or, twenty, or, maybe thirty years, something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they got like they've got a fair old bit of gap between. They don't, I think to Dennis's point, they don't really have to. They can. Uh, they can kind of do what they want because it's not linked directly to the Star Wars to the Skywalker Saga. It's, it it's, so, it's
2: interesting. No. sow
3: the seeds a little
2: bit. I don't know, Dan, because it's interesting to note that none of the announcements they made had anything to do with the sequels. Did they? No, not a single one is set so, in the sequels era. Yeah, cause
1: ben, they announced Ben Kenobi. Yeah, it's all pre um, Episode Seven stuff.
2: Yep, which is interesting in itself because, you know, the character of Ray and certainly, um, uh, what's his name, BB-8 and you've got characters like that which were quite well received by the fans and you'd think they'd want to capitalise on that Um, but they've decided not to and I think that's probably wise. I mean, they really fucked it with uh, John Boyega's character. Yep, a little bit. Um, um, Hang on. That was it. I mean, that's the other. That, that's the other thing. That, oh no! I'm sorry, going doing down. It.
3: And they've got um. So there's the Captain Phasma story. Oh, is it? No. <laughs> oh. But okay. I would have thought, yeah. like, you know. <laughs> sorry.
1: <laughs> Calm down, mate.
3: That that's like you you you've kind of hit the nail nail on the head there. They they could have they could have done. Uh, a bit of backstory with John Boyega's character they could have done a, they could have done the backstory of Captain Phasma and actually made something of those characters because they're isn't enough characters mm. they're interesting enough but they clearly mm. I don't know they, they just didn't do much with them in the actual films themselves
1: Hey, they could have made three good films, but they didn't. So you know,
2: I I think they could have done something with Phasma. They 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 could have done something with Phasma. I'm not sure there's much they could have done done with Boyega's character because we know that before that he was a stormtrooper. I mean, I'm not quite sure where you'd you'd, we and and a bit of a coward. I don't know where where you would go with that sort of pre Force Awakens. What I find quite interesting uh, about John Boyega's character in the Force Awakens is that, or rather, if you look at the prequels, you look at the sequels. One one of the one of the things that was thrown at the sequels when they came out was their portrayal of racial stereotypes and how non-diverse and bad inclusivity and all sorts of stuff, you know, because of the Nimodians and because of uh, Watu and because of the guns and bad representation of ethnic groups. That pales in comparison to the way they handled John Boyega's character and the other ethnic characters in the sequels. And that's remarkable to me. They actually managed to make it worse. Mm. So they started off with a very, very strong character, effectively, who was brave enough to desert and go against the Empire and just turned him into a complete laughingstock.
3: But also, I want to know um, how um, one of the most heroic X-Wing pilots in the entire of the Resistance went from being that to one of the Teletubbies. But how did that scale?
2: Who's that? Oh, right. Uh, I see. Yes. I think,
1: on that note, we should probably end uh, (laughs) this.
2: You've you've ended the podcast for us. Absolutely.
1: That went off the rails quicker than episode (laughs) eight. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It's for Dennis' benefit. I thought I'd just have to do one classic joke.
2: Thank you, Dan. I really, really now remember why I don't do
3: these (laughs) anymore. (laughs) <laughs> and on that bombshell
1: <laughs> thanks for listening in listeners yeah, thank you me. Dennis for joining us this fine evening night yeah and and
2: you know I'm sorry what I said earlier on about you sounding like a girl whatever man yeah you're yeah. A, a Mark
1: man now you Next
2: know but you know if I'd really wanted to insult you I'd have said you sounded like a Gungan mmm Hey. Okay. <laughs> Thanks
1: everyone.